Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Peringer. Anyway, well, we want to get back uh, to looking at our creeds and confessions that help us define what Scripture says and, and, and you know, systematize it and get it all together. Define for us what Scripture says about what it is that we are to believe. And we're going to begin in the third section of the Apostles' Creed. Uh, we've been looking at for several weeks. The Apostles' Creed reads this way. I believe in God the Father Almighty. Maker of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ as only begotten Son our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven. He sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. And the next section begins. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now each section reflects. A member of the Trinity. The third section begins about the Holy Spirit. Now, after that part about the Holy Spirit, you, you hear see about the church and you see about forgiveness and things like that. But it all stems from the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about what we believe about the Holy Spirit tonight. And then next week, the things that are listed afterwards in the Apostles' Creed, how that is connected to the Holy Spirit. And it's important that we as Baptists, we talk about the Holy Spirit, sometimes it's like, oh, I don't know if I want to talk about the Holy Spirit, you know, because uh, of different things. There's a lot of wrong ideas out there, and strange ideas. I'm a Christian about the Holy Spirit, what, you know, who He is, and what it is that um, He does. And, you know, we, we, we cringe because we, we're afraid that we might, you know, go toward the, uh, some of the excesses of some of our more charismatic brethren. Um, but even, let's say it's even mainstream evangelicals have wrong ideas about the Holy Spirit. Because so often we merely relegate the Holy Spirit to a concept of empowering energy, I guess is what I would say. We relegate, let's face it, sometimes we just relegate the Holy Spirit to be akin to the force of Star Wars. You know? We, we think the Holy Spirit is just like the force. I don't know, can help the force show people who land from Adam. But we, that's what we do. He's just, an, he's just an energy. No, he's a, he, he is the third person of the Godhead. But too often, we, we, we just have weird ideas about the Holy Spirit. You know, I, in one of his uh, J.D. Greer's books, he, he talks about this incident. I'm a Christian singer, and I think to, to me, you know, it's just kind of an idea of how we misconstrue how the Holy Spirit works and who He is. But, so there was this Christian singer, and uh, she rented out this recording studio. You know, they did the sound, they did the soundtrack, and then okay, she started performing her first song. And the sound technician who was running the board thought, hey, everything sounds great, but then halfway through the first verse, she stopped abruptly. And she threw up her hands and said, it's no use, turn it off. He's not here. And the sound technician was like, he, who, who, who he's not here? What, what is she talking about? And the singer replied, the Holy Spirit, his presence, it's missing. And so she called a few friends into the studio and they commenced to laying their hands on various pieces of equipment throughout the studio. 
praying for God's presence. And, and, and she was a little bit more of the charismatic type, and so they were anointing all these different things with oil, all this equipment with oil. A few minutes later, she again began to sing, and about 30 seconds into the song, she said, nope, stop, he's not here. Let's pray again. So another 15 minutes walking around the room, anointing, shouting, whatever, praying. She started a third time, and again, no, she had to stop. Again came this prayer posse of hers, and, and now, you know, by this time, the sound technician was getting annoyed because, frankly, his equipment was getting greasy from all that anointing oil that they were putting on, on the stuff. So she began recording the fourth time, and so as they were recording, the, the sound technician noticed that uh, the reverb on her monitor was turned off, and so he reached down and turned the reverb up. And it, it was at that point that she threw her hands in the air and began to scream, Hallelujah! He's here! He's here! And the sound tech just didn't have the heart to tell her, no, that's not the Holy Spirit, that's just the reverb, honey. We think that the Holy Spirit is about experience. We think that the Holy Spirit is about energy or something, a feeling. That, that's really, you know, and frankly, because we have those ideas about the Holy Spirit, we think that we can, we can manipulate the Holy Spirit. So I have an agenda, and I want the Holy Spirit to come and bless my agenda and make me feel good about my agenda. And so I want to get that feeling so I feel all right about me pursuing my own agenda, but that's not how the Holy Spirit works. That's not who the Holy Spirit is. Now, I'm not saying the Holy Spirit doesn't empower. He obviously does. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit doesn't move and work. He obviously does. But here's the thing. When the Holy Spirit moves and empowers and works, he's not doing it for us. He's not doing it for ourselves. He's not doing it so we can feel good about ourselves. He does what he does within us so that what God wants done is accomplished. What God, what God wants done gets done. And so I want to very briefly tonight talk about some of the works and ways of the Holy Spirit that the Bible tells us about. Because this is important. We have been given this gift of the Holy Spirit, the triune member, you know, one of the triune members of the Godhead. In his, in his, uh, you know, he, he gave a, a long teaching about the Holy Spirit in, in John chapters 14 through 16, but at one point in John 16, 7, Jesus said something very astonishing. Jesus said to his disciples, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And, you know, who, who in the world, who in a million years would have thought that it would be better for Jesus to go away? You know, we don't want Jesus to go away. But here's the thing, as long as the earth is the way that it is, and as long as humans are the way that humans are, and are in the condition that they're in, Jesus, it is better for him to go away. After Jesus accomplished redemption, he says that he and the Father would send a helper, a paraclete. The word means you know, someone who comes alongside the people of God to accomplish the works of God and, and advances the kingdom of God. Because for now, the people of God are spread throughout the world. And so God would send his spirit 
who would go and indwell and empower believers anywhere that they might be. Now here's the thing, when Christ returns, well, there's going to be a new heaven, a new earth, and all his people will be together in one kingdom. But until then, as we're spread out throughout the world, we have the Holy Spirit, we need the Holy Spirit. So what does Jesus tell us about the Holy Spirit? Well, first, in John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So there was a difference. He's with you at the point that Jesus was talking. He will be in you and that happened at Pentecost. So after Jesus' death, and resurrection and ascension, there was going to be a change in the dynamic of how the Holy Spirit works with the people of God. Now, the Holy Spirit has always been at work. I mean, right at the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit is there hovering over the waters. The Spirit is there, part of creation. And throughout the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is there. And usually when the Holy Spirit is talked about, it is, the Holy Spirit comes upon certain people at a certain time for a certain task, like when they built the tabernacle or when they built the temple or things like that. So the Spirit would come and anoint and empower, but he was there with them. But now, after Christ's work, after we are changed and made new, the Holy Spirit isn't with us. He's in us. The Holy Spirit actually abides and lives within the believer. That means that the full power of God is not only in our midst, but the full power of God is within us. But, what does the Holy, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, do that Christ's presence on earth could not accomplish at this time in the condition that the world is in right now? Well, some of the things that Jesus teaches us, for example, in John 14, 26, he says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And now, initially, this verse talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon the apostles, bringing to their remembrance what Jesus did, and then inspiring them to write the scriptures so that future generations would have a witness about Christ and his works and his teachings. They would have the revelation of God. And so the Holy Spirit guided that whole process. The Holy Spirit guided the process to make sure that everything that God wanted included in his scripture in his word for his people would be included so for example we're told in second peter 1 who, who gives a description of this he says that no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man but men spoke from god as they were carried along by the holy spirit and then now you know peter he also writes about or paul he writes about this you know that's why he says that all scripture is god breathed i mean god God breathed from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit led these men 
both in the Old Testament and the New Testament to write down what God wanted written down, specifically for the apostles to write down what Jesus taught and what he accomplished. So that we have that part, but now the whole part of him teaching has something to do with us as well. We have this promise that the Holy Spirit who indwells within us, who resides within us, he will teach us all things as he brings to mind the word of God. And the Holy Spirit will enable us to read scripture and help us to understand scripture and help us to apply it to our lives. But now, having said that, here's the fine print, here's the caveat, if you want to call it that, that doesn't mean that you can just merely skim through pages of Scripture and boom, you're going to know everything and everything that's there. That's not how it works. You know, it's not like you, you just, all right, and okay, I, I just know everything now. I'm automatically enlightened. No. There is effort that we put in on our part to pray over and to wrestle over Scripture. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit will enlighten us to some of what it says. But he doesn't give us everything all at once. Have you ever read a Scripture and you've read that Scripture a million times before and you're reading it now and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I never noticed that before. <laughs> well, it was, you are now ready to learn that particular lesson that's there in Scripture. And the Holy Spirit enlightens you to that. And so the Holy Spirit uses time and effort on our part, along with his own leading and teaching, to help us understand what has been revealed to us. As Al Mohler wrote, the Holy Spirit gave us the Scriptures, he opens our eyes to see the scriptures, and he opens our hearts to believe God's word. And so that means that the Holy Spirit takes the word, empowers the word, and, and applies the word. And when the Holy Spirit takes God's word and puts it out there, it's going to have its way, right? You know, just like God said in Isaiah 55, 11, my word shall go out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And so the Holy Spirit inspired the Word, and now the Holy Spirit teaches us from the Word and gives us understanding. And then related to this, the Holy Spirit uses His power and influence and the Word to testify to Christ. So we see this in John chapter 15, verses 26 through 27, where Jesus said, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So, you know, whenever we talk about the Trinity, I always like to tread lightly because if I say one wrong thing, boy, I could jump into all sorts of heresy. But we do know and we do understand that every member of the Trinity is equal in divinity, in essence, in nature, in character, and each member serves a specific role. This is a great mystery that... It, most theologians should say that they do not fully understand. But you do notice something of the work of the Holy Spirit that is unique to him. Jesus, he had the work of 
dying and rising again and being our Savior and being our King and our Lord. And what does Jesus say the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's role, I guess, or one of his roles is? You'll notice that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to testify, to bear witness. But what does he bear witness about? You'll notice it does not say that he bears witness about himself. The Holy Spirit does not bear witness about himself. Yes, he has a role to play in God's dealings with humanity and redemption, but his role is not to highlight himself in what he does. Yes, he works in us, he works through us and much more, but the Holy Spirit never takes center stage. The Holy Spirit never takes the center of attention. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will come and bear witness to me. So that means that the Holy Spirit bears witness to Christ. The Holy Spirit puts the spotlight on Christ. That's why we have to be so careful about how we talk about the Holy Spirit and be careful not to fall into the excesses of many of our charismatic brethren. Because what do they do? They highlight the baptism of the Spirit, the gift of the Spirit, the move of the Spirit, this of the Spirit, that of the Spirit. They're highlighting the Spirit. But the Spirit himself never makes anything about himself. Because here's when you know the Holy Spirit is at work. When Jesus Christ is center stage, when Jesus Christ is highlighted, when the light you know, metaphorically speaking, the light shines on Jesus. That's why, you know, whether the Asbury revival that's going on in Kentucky is real or not, here's a test. If the Holy Spirit is at work bringing revival, who is center stage? Is it humanity? Is it the church? Is it the Holy Spirit or is it Jesus Christ? Real revival, the Holy Spirit will put the spotlight on Christ. The Holy Spirit will point to Christ, to the gospel, to Christ's finished work, to who Christ is. That's when we know revival is happening. And so the, the Spirit testifies of the person and work of Jesus Christ. We see another aspect of the Spirit in John chapter 16, verses 8 through 11 where it says, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Another work of the Holy Spirit is to convict people of sin. He convicts unbelievers of sin so that they will go to Christ. He convicts believers of sin so that they will repent and walk in holiness. The Holy Spirit convicts of righteousness and that he's going to guide people to God's version of righteousness and justice. We hear that word thrown around all the time, justice. We want justice. We want justice. The only justice that we ought to seek is the justice of God because we know that's the only right justice that there is. Because there's, seen, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. But the Holy Spirit will lead people and convict people to that which is right from God's perspective. The Holy Spirit convicts of judgment, testifying the truth that judgment will come. It will come upon this earth in temporal judgments. It will come to unbelievers for eternity. 
So that's another work of the Spirit. Related to these last two aspects I've mentioned, there's another work of the Spirit in John chapter 16, verses 13 through 14, where Jesus said, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. In our natural state, and our, our natural tendency is to walk in lies, to walk in falsehood, to walk in sin. But the Holy Spirit will guide someone to truth, God's truth. Truth according to what God has revealed through his word. And when he guides people toward truth, they'll be convicted of their sin. They'll be convicted of righteousness. They'll be convicted of judgment. And when the Holy Spirit testifies of truth, he's going to testify of Jesus, who is the way, the truth and life and so we're reminded that the holy spirit never will guide anyone or convict anyone outside the parameters of scripture outside the boundaries of scripture he will testify to truth as god himself has revealed it but then next we see that the holy spirit does empower us to live lives that are holy and pleasing to god paul talks about this in romans chapter 8 verses 12 through 13 When he makes the the difference between the flesh and the spirit, he says, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The Holy Spirit empowers us to put to death the deeds of the body. Now, I'll talk a little bit more next week about, you know, the Holy Spirit's work in salvation. But he does put us through a process of sanctification where we kill sin, not all at once. It's a process. I mean, it's not like Monday, I was a super bad sinner person. Tuesday, I woke up, I was completely clean and holy. I mean, that's just not how it works. It's a process, it's sanctification, being made more holy day by day. So that's kind of the you want to call it the negative aspect of putting to death the flesh, but then there's a positive thing that the Holy Spirit does within us. He re- yes, he removes the sin, but then he develops a right character within us. Paul talks about this in Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What will you do instead? Verses 22 through 23. You will live according to the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so the Holy Spirit, through the process of sanctification, will kill sin within us and then will empower us to walk in the Spirit, to walk like Him, to display the fruits of Christ's likeness. And so there's a whole lot more that can be said about uh, the, the Holy Spirit. I mean, we reviewed some of these things, um, some of these aspects. But, you know, we'll, we'll, what the rest of the Apostles' Creed talks about, we'll, we'll hit on next week because that is also the work of the Holy Spirit. And what a wonderful thing that we do have the Holy Spirit. May we pray that he works in our lives. May he, we pray that he works in the lives of others. And may we pray that we have right understanding of who he is and how he works and what he does so that, you know, we're able to rightly discern things that are happening you know a lot of people ask about this asbury revival is it true revival i don't know i'm not there all i know is i think of what uh, uh 
I can never say, pronounce his name correctly without having it sit in front of me, but you know, one of the Jewish leaders when dealing with the Christians, how do you say it, Eric? Glam, Glam, oh, Paul's teacher. Begins with a G. Gamal, yeah, what he said. Gamaliel, or something like that. But he said this, okay, this is the Al translation. If this is not of God, you know, you, if it's not of God, it's going to just go away on its own. I mean, it, but if it is of God, you're going to find yourself fighting against God. And so, you know, as far as this revival, if it's true or not, look, if it's of God, it'll happen. If it's not of God, it'll fizzle out. We just need to pray for real revival in our midst, in our time. And let, let Asbury figure itself out in some of the other places as well. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.